So the ancient world was notoriously cruel and dehumanizing to probably the vast majority of people. It was tough to be in the ancient world. But there is one marginalized, persecuted, maligned, mocked, and technically illegal group that we rarely talk about in the ancient world. And these were ancient lawyers. <laughs> technically, from the founding of Athens, way up until the time of the Emperor Claudius, decades after the birth of Christ, it was, technical to, it was technically illegal to be a lawyer. If you charged fees for legal services, jail, stoning, death pill, I don't know what they threw at you, but it was something bad. You didn't want it. <clears throat> In today's gospel, we hear Jesus say, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. And to us, this sort of sounds like a jarring phase, phrase, like Christ is saying, I will send some sort of spiritual Perry Mason figure to be with you forever. We hear advocate, and we think in different Romance languages, in Russian, advogado, advocat, like it means lawyer in all these different tongues. So we think of someone who, when you really mess things up, is going to do what he or she can to get you off the hook. That's what an advocate sort of looks like. And the thought of the spiritual lawyer is such a funny thing that different translators translate this text in a variety of ways. So some translations will say, I will send a comforter. Others say a teacher or a counselor. Others just throw in the towel and they just anglicize the Greek word parakletos and just say a paraclete. <clears throat> the problem here is not that any of these are bad translations. The problem is in our world of professionalized attorneys, we don't know what an ancient lawyer looked like, an ancient advocate or paraclete. So if you were go to, to go before a judge, you were given the option of calling a friend alongside you. And this was not a professional, this was someone who loved you, who was going to provide comfort and strength, who was going to provide wise counsel and teaching, and who might even intercede on your behalf. But again, not a professional role, something more much like maternal love than like the services of an attorney. The idea that this loving friend would become this professionalized luxury that only the ultra-wealthy could afford was so horrific to the deeply democratic Athenians that they had a horror of it, and so it was illegal. So today Jesus speaks not of a defense attorney before God, but of Christ sending this loving friend, this paraclete, to be a comforter, a counselor, and to intercede for us. So before the day of Pentecost, the apostles were very regular people like the rest of us. Jesus says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, and they say, he's mad because we forgot to buy bread. They say, we will die with you, Lord, and then as soon as the crucifixion starts, they flee in all directions, hide out in an upper room. They were just like we are. After the coming of the paraclete, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter, what are the apostles like? They are on fire with the gospel. They have this sudden, incredible clarity, and they fan out in all directions across the known world, and in one generation spread Christianity to almost every Greco-Roman city, and even beyond, 
Thomas goes to India, Peter goes to Rome, later the disciple Mark goes to Egypt, and they found Christianity all over the earth. All of them except John are martyred because they have the paraclete, this teacher, this counselor, this comforter, praying within them, moving within them, teaching them. Baptism in our tradition, the Anglican tradition, baptism is not a sign of profession. It's not the day you get up before everybody and say, I understand Jesus perfectly, and now I'm going to make this gesture. Nor is it, nor is it something that we just do as sort of a rite of passage. My, my parents had a baptism, their parents had a baptism. Baptism instead is the day on which we receive God the Holy Spirit into our hearts. The day on which we ourselves become temples of this Holy Spirit. So how is the Holy Spirit our counselor? Well, to know God and know about God is very challenging. God is infinitely bigger than anything we can wrap our tiny human brains around. If you try and draw a picture of God, it's going to be a terrible picture. If you try and perfectly describe God, you're going to make no sense whatsoever. And it actually takes God to comprehend God's self. It actually takes God working within us, teaching us, illuminating God's self to us for us to come before God. So John says that it's the Holy Spirit who shows us Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that shows us the Father. Patriarch Ignatius IV of Syria said that without the Holy Spirit, God is far away. Christ stays in the past, the gospel is a dead letter. The church is just another organization. But in the Holy Spirit, the gospel is the power of life. The church for, shows forth the life of the Trinity, and human action is deified. And the Holy Spirit is our comforter, the source of strength and faith and hope, the source of joy which caused all of these martyrs to rush to their martyrdom, which caused Anglican nuns to serve people in the 19th century who were dying of plagues and die themselves, which, which allows all of us to not run from suffering, but to rush towards it in service and to help. But what does it mean for, for the Holy Spirit to intercede for us? Isn't this sort of the defense attorney part? where we go before God, he's pretty angry, he's frustrated with us, and the Holy Spirit's like, you know, he's not so bad. Occasionally he gave money to the poor, you let him off the hook a little bit. Well, St. Paul tells us in Romans, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This intercession, this is not presenting the evidence in a more favorable light. This intercession is prayer, in which through God the Holy Spirit, our own little, teeny, tiny, weak, poorly articulated human prayers are brought up into the divine life of God into the dialogue of the Holy Trinity. Our tiny prayer enters into the life of God. But the paraclete is not given to us for our benefit alone. 
not just for our counsel, comfort, illumination, intercession. The temple is not built for the temple's own benefit. The temple is built so that others might come to the temple and know God. We are given the paraclete not only for our benefit, but to serve others, to be counselors and teachers to others, to show with our actions, to show in our words the goodness and love of Jesus Christ to others. We are given comfort not merely so that we feel okay, but so that we can comfort and serve others. Friends and family, annoying people in our lives, our neighbors, the poor, people on the other side of the globe, these are the ones we are called to comfort by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't merely intercede for us. We in the Spirit are called to intercede with God for others, to lift up others in our prayer, to be part of God's saving work, to be part of God's healing through holding others up to Him, for God, to God in our prayers. So how this week are you called to be a temple of the Holy Spirit? With whom, with your words and your actions, will you share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who will you comfort? Those mourning, those in grief, the alone, the poor, the suffering. Who is it that you can comfort in the Spirit? And for whom will you intercede with the Father? Who can you lift up in your prayers? We have been given this phenomenal gift of God living within us, dwelling within us, moving within our hearts. How will you use that gift? The paraclete, the counselor, the comforter, he who intercedes for us, to him be honor and glory. Amen.